Welcome to the Knowles Development Podcast, an exploration in leadership development. I'm your host, Brad Knowles. Now let's dive in. Welcome again to the Knowles Development Podcast. Brad Knowles here and wanted to dive into one of my favorite concepts, one of my favorite books, Patrick Lencioni, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Daniel and I were talking, can't believe we haven't touched on this one yet. Um, foundational for me and my development as a leader. Um, there's One of the things that I look for in books that I read, authors, videos, whatever it might be, and hopefully what you've experienced with what we try to do here at Knowles Development is take what for some of us can feel like a complex set of ideas or issues and boil them down to kind of their simple underpinnings so that we can get into action quicker. To me, that's what it's all about is, you know, information for information's sake, you know, it's, it can be a fun mental exercise, but that's about it. I'm more interested in what do we take with the information? How do we put that into action? What are the results of that action? How do I change and develop and grow? How can I help an organization, group of people, community, change, develop, grow? That to me is just much more exciting. Like let's, let's put it into action. And for a lot of us, we kind of need to have it simplified some to get a better grasp of it so that we can then launch from there. And Patrick does a great job with this in the five dysfunctions of a team. I just want to review them quickly. I love how he does this as a five dysfunction as opposed to, you know, the five high functions of a team, you know, because it, it comes from a place where I think we can all relate, which is, ah, things are a little dysfunctional. So foundationally, it's absence of trust. And when we have an absence of trust, it leads to a fear of conflict. Okay, a fear of conflict. My favorite example of fear of conflict is the classic like church committee or volunteer committee. Nobody wants to offend anybody. So one of those kind of like whoever's the loudest, um, typically their ideas adopted no matter how bad that idea is. And then all of a sudden you're standing in a parking lot selling balloons to raise money for a thing. And it's like, how did we get here? Really, this was, this was our best idea? This was it? Well, we never had the conflict conversation because we were afraid to, because we were lacking trust. I, could, I didn't trust the people in the room enough to know that I could say, eh, I think we can do better than selling balloons. Fear of conflict leads to a lack of commitment. A lack of commitment means you might just get kind of the, oh yeah, okay, yes, we'll, we'll do that but they won't really do it. You'll have a bunch of people no show. The people that do show are only half-heartedly committed. And now we're really beginning to lack momentum in the thing that we supposedly set out to do. A lack of commitment leads to an avoidance of accountability. If I'm not really committed to something, I have no interest in you holding me accountable to it. And so I will do everything I can to avoid accountability. I myself am particularly well suited to avoid accountability. You gotta be committed to the thing. And hopefully for those of you that we, that we get to coach with, hopefully you've seen that, that, that we really look for a deep level of commitment before we move into any kind of conversation around accountability. 
Because without the commitment, there's nothing to talk about. Lastly, it's an inattention to results. We don't talk about the results because we're avoiding the accountability, because there's a lack of commitment, because we're not really having the right conversations, because we don't really trust each other. Here's the hack, if there's a hack. I love Patrick's book. I love how he breaks it down. But it all comes down to trust. Wherever your issue lies in those five dysfunctions, the issue really lies in trust. I'll give you an example. I had a group of leaders that I worked with in one of my organizations, and we went through this exercise. We spent hours, hours on this. And what we really looked at was what we thought was a high level of trust. And in fact, at each level, I asked us to rate ourselves. And we were like a nine out of 10, nine and a half out of 10 on trust, self-evaluated. Fear of conflict, eh, eight out of 10. Attention to commitment or lack of commitment. Now the spectrum started getting bigger, like four out of 10 to seven out of 10, something like that. Avoidance of accountability. Almost everybody recognized that there was some level of accountability avoidance going on. And when it came to inattention to results, it was almost unanimous. We rated ourselves at maybe a one or two out of 10. Well, the reality was the delta on trust from nine to 10 made all the difference. I trusted you with some stuff, but I didn't trust you. Like I trusted you in pockets, but I didn't actually trust you. Does that make sense? Trust needs to be wholehearted, right? Some of the examples that I use in, in business is I, I, I watch some people put some systems in place where they're tracking, double checking, you name it, on employees, something like that. And I can just see by the systems that we've put into place that you do not trust the people that you're in business with. You don't. If you, had to, if you have to put that system in place, I know you don't trust the person who's handling that thing. Now, there's a difference between kind of always looking over somebody's shoulder versus I'm going to occasionally inspect what I expect, right? Right? I'm not saying don't reconcile the books of your company from somebody different who's maybe paying all the bills. I'm not saying that. But if, if you have to be standing there at the time clock when people punch in and punch out because you don't trust that people are going to be punching their buddy in or this, that, and the other, you've got such a gap in trust that you've got to check who you've gotten into business with. Trust is foundational to this whole thing. And here's the challenge for you leaders out there. Guess where it all starts? Frickin' you! Trust starts with you, the leader. It doesn't actually start with them. You have to start with the mindset of, I completely trust you. The day they come into the organization, I trust you, right? Here's the banking information. Here's the client list. Here's access to the database. Here, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're so freaking guarded on right now, that's a trust issue. And you're showing them daily that you don't freaking trust them. If you don't trust them, why'd you hire them? Seriously, why did you hire them if you don't trust them?
Now, how do we build trust? It's easy to give, right? But how do I get people to trust me? I can give the trust quickly, but it doesn't actually get us there, right? I can tell them I trust them, I can act like I trust them, but I've gotta build trust the other way. It's an earned thing, right? I've gotta earn it with the people I bring into my organization. How do I do that? Here's the challenge for the leaders. You have to be vulnerable. That's right. You don't get to be pristine and look good and be right anymore, right? There's a lot of us out there who are kind of wired to look good and be right. Okay, you're not going to build trust. You're actually going to push people away from you because everybody who works with you knows that they don't look good and they're not right all the time, right? They know they got warts. They know they make mistakes. So when you show up with your pearly white teeth and your uh, slick whatever, and you never make mistakes, and you're you know, better than thou art attitude, you are eroding trust in your organization. Now, at the same time, I will tell you a great piece of advice I got from my coach. Being vulnerable doesn't mean you necessarily have to air all your dirty laundry, right? Your, your board meetings don't have to turn into you know, the meetings with your psychiatrist, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But you do have to show the people in the organization that you don't always have the right answer. You don't. You need the perspective of the other people sitting at the table. And if you don't have that perspective, you're not going to be able to make the best decisions for the organization because you're just one person, just like they are. You make mistakes. You have blind spots. I love sharing my blind spots because it helps people to understand, at least I hope, like, hey, I'm, I'm, covered with, I'm covered with warts too. Yeah, there's stuff that I get wrong all the time. I mean, I am the guy in the meeting who's the loudest, who gets the thing approved because I literally am loud and I don't have any trouble stepping up and taking center stage and all that kind of stuff. And there's more times than not when that's not the best decision for the organization or the committee or the team or the business. How are you going to show up as more vulnerable in the coming weeks? What's the stuff you're hiding right now that you're hoping nobody finds out about? There's, there's an underlying aspect right now for many of you where you hope somebody doesn't see behind that curtain because you're gonna think that when they see it, they're gonna see that you're a fraud. You're not a fraud. You're fricking human, just like everybody else. Show it. Show your weakest stuff. When you show your weakest stuff, you know what you have? You got nothing to hide anymore. One of the best things I ever did was start teaching people that in my own businesses and my own lives, I get help and get people on board with me as quickly as possible because I'm so bad at so much that that really helps to share that with people. Like, dude, you don't want me touching that thing. You don't want me setting that thing up. It's not that I can't do it. It is I am clearly not the best person to do it. And there are other people who are out there who are better. 
come out from behind the frickin' curtain already. Be vulnerable, build trust. When you have real trust in an organization, let's get rid of the dysfunctions and see where this climbs too quickly. Trust leads to conflict conversations. Not me hitting you in the face, not us you know, arguing about why you suck and why I'm awesome. We're conflict conversation is we're, we're conflicting and, and really fighting over an idea about a concept not the individual, right? So we're having those robust conflict conversations that actually lead to commitment. Here's the thing, I don't have to have it my way, but most of us, myself included, do wanna be heard. If we don't have the conflict conversation, no one's getting heard. If I'm heard, I'm more likely to go along with the right idea for the organization, even when it is not mine. So now that I'm on board for real, legit, both feet on the commitment side, I'm now willing to be held accountable to what I say I will do. And when I'm willing to be held accountable, guess what shows up? Freaking results. That's what you're looking for. And you as a leader, you want results? Great. Go look in the mirror and ask yourself, how can I show up as more vulnerable today? I hope you make it a great week. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.